Hey, Jake. Yo. Did you hear about the man who can jump from tree to tree? No. He's a monkey's uncle. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 178. And I'm your host, Stephen Deutschman. As always, this is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-host come together to give everyone the information they need to get their family game on. This week, I'm joined by Linda. She's back. Hi, everybody. It's been a very long time. You've been being a mom and a teacher and finishing the renovations on your house and enjoying your dishwasher. Um, And... (laughs) I couldn't tear you away from that dishwasher, so I really didn't want to pressure you to be on the show, but I'm glad you're back um, because you're the board game expert. You're supposed to help balance me out. <laughs> well, you know, after 18 years of not having a dishwasher, you know, it was kind of a novelty. You gotta, I'm very glad to be back. It's all about the party time. Um, <laughs> so I, we are glad to have you back also. Um, Amanda, our other permanent co-host, is uh, not here today. She is preparing to go to Italy. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, with her husband, uh, they were married when they were very young and very broke. And they are not very young and very broke anymore. So they're going to Italy for their honeymoon just 13-ish years too late or something like that. I don't know. Um, so uh, she is not leaving yet, but she busy. Know yeah, I mean? it's a lot um, of travel internationally. Yes. So um, I'm jealous, uh, but she sends her best. She also asked me to remind everyone. She really didn't ask me, but I'm going to do it anyway. To remind everyone that this podcast is produced in partnership with SuperParent.com. That is her website. Uh, one of, I think, 47,000 that she is this editor-in-chief of. So uh, this week, it's board game week. Um, we are just killing it. Getting ready, getting the board game stuff out of the way, because in a couple of weeks, folks, it's E3, and we'll be taking a little bit of time off from the from the board games, um, and invading Linda's home. So true. Um, with a bunch <laughs> of dorks, um, and uh, we will be producing a lot of video game content. So, from a programming note, from June seventh, which is. Oh, so soon, uh, terrifyingly soon, actually, um, until like six days later, we will be producing many, many podcasts. Um, so uh, definitely make sure that you like the Facebook page and follow us on all relevant social media channels, because if you like video games, you're going to want to hear what we have to say. So many videos and so many podcasts. We've already had several meetings all of them have been very productive. Um, but that's not to say the board games are not important, though, because guess what's happening? Immediately following E3 is the Origins Game Fair, which is so depressing <laughs> for us because everybody else is like, oh, man, IGN goes to E3, and they come back, and everybody takes comp days, and everybody kind of tries to rest and relax from the craziness that was E3. EFG, since we're dumb and cover both things, me and Linda immediately get to turn around and go right back to work. So we get like zero time. Um, <laughs> where we'll be talking about some of our, we'll be talking about some of the our favorite games that were announced at the show um, then. Um, but today we're going to talk about Origins Game Fair. Specifically, we're going to talk about the games that have already been announced and that are going to be on sale at Oregon Origins Game Fair. That's one of the things that separates board game conventions and trade shows apart from, say, E3, in that you don't go to E3 to buy games. I mean, I guess you do if you're Target. <laughs> Right, you go there to figure out what games. But we're not Target. (laughs) Um, We are your friendly neighborhood uh, family game blog. Um, uh, But you go to board game conventions to buy games. Um, So Origins is like a is a uh, Origins. um, What's the Gen Con? Pax Unplugged. All of these are like part shopping mall and part trade show demo station. Like, they have to live in all these different worlds, which is super interesting. Um, so we're going to sp- focus our efforts today on talking about the games that are going to be at the show that we know are coming, that we've already talked about before, probably. But we're going to be specifically focusing on the ones that are going to be for sale. What do you think about that, Linda? 
That sounds like a great idea. Because nothing that we enjoy doing more than pretending to spend money. It's true because that's all we can do most of the time. Because that's all we can do right now. Well, I mean, you (laughs) bought another house and stapled it to your house. I I did. I'll be paying for that for a while. Yeah, we we know. I've spoken (laughs) to your husband about it. Um, So that's probably why you're drinking right now. Um, Either that or it's because you're talking to me. Um, Okay, so I get it. I understand. I would drink if I was on a podcast with me too. (laughs) So... um, Let's get started, rather than, you know, because have you played any good board games recently? I have not. So I'm in the middle of going through one that was sent to me to check out called South of the Sahara, and it's actually a game with three different games built in, and it's it's geared for a more of an educational setting. Okay. And I've gone through the first game, which is um, a bit of a, like a tic-tac-toe-esque feel, and yep. then you flip, so the board is a grid similar to, tic- I don't want to say grid, it's got compartments just like Tic-Tac-Toe, nine spaces. Sure. But it does look a little different. That is a grid-ish. Um, it's grid-ish. It, it has a different, it's got actually like places to put your pieces. It's lines connecting circles, so it's mm-hmm. similar concept, but just different physical representation. Um, and the idea, though, is there's only eight pieces that players get uh-huh. total between the two players, and there's nine spaces. So okay. the game doesn't end when everybody fills a space. Once everybody puts their pieces down and all eight pieces are on the board, you then slide until you get three in a row, if you haven't already. So that's kind of neat. And on the reverse okay. of the board, because it's a reversible board, it's a different shaped um, uh layout and it still has the one to nine only this time the objective isn't to get three in a row it's to take three numbers because they're numbered spaces and add up to the number 15 and the first person to add up to 15 with their three numbers wins the game so it's got like that more educational spin to it so that's just the first game and it's got two different ways of play in it and i haven't even delved into the other two in the set um, one other thing that's really cool is it actually has like a story booklet that goes along with it. So it integrates the literacy into the math, which is something education wise, we're always trying to um, integrate the curriculum. So, so far, I'm really enjoying this game and seeing a really good application in the primary level. So Awesome. Yeah, it's no, it's pretty neat. Nice when uh, your two worlds collide. It is um, nice. So um, way to give you a chance to use some of that, that knowledge, right? Other than your everyday. Um, so I have not... I, I, it's not that I haven't played any good board games. It's that I really haven't played any board games in a little bit. Um, it has been a rather busy bunch of weeks for uh, video games. Also, um, I was studying for my uh, my exam uh, for my license for work. And that took a bunch of time. Also, it's really hard to not play Final Fantasy IX when you can. Um, because I have that, and I have been playing it. Yes, the game came out in 1999, I think. It's fine. I own it on it's the Switch, fine. and it's wonderful. It's um, something I would like to sit and watch. I don't play you, those, but I do enjoy watching those games. I don't know if you would enjoy watching this one. I'll show you. I'll bring it on Sunday when I see you. You you might not enjoy this one. Um, because it's there's no word. like There's no spoken dialogue. It's all reading, because it came out in 1999. Okay. Um, so you might I think it not... was the next Final Fantasy that I watched John play. It was I'm trying 10. To remember which one. I don't even the know. The ones where they were playing soccer underwater? I don't remember that part, but I just know um, I watched him play a lot of video games. Yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so um, I've been doing that. The one thing that I will say um, is that it is um, it's, it's spoiler season for a new Magic the Gathering set because, of course, it is. Um, this year's premium set, which is the thing they do in the middle of the summer, is called Modern Horizons because um, it sounds super epic. Um, it started yesterday, and they've already spoiled 54 out of 254 cards. Today it was like two every hour. Can I tell oh you, goodness. spoiling two cards every couple hours is actually the worst because here's the thing, right? Like, I obsessively refresh MTG Salvation to check for spoilers. That's where I go to my stuff. (laughs) And so when they only tease two at a time, right? Like, if one of them stinks, then you really only see one, you know? And then it's like, man, that's not a lot. So what I would rather they do is just tease all of them at once. 
And then I can be like, okay, it's over, and I'll never come back. But since they're doing them in little bits, it's they driving me insane. They got your hook, line, and sinker. Um, they really do. Um, yes. This is not the, – the, <laughs> the one thing I will say, uh, Michael, our uh, CCG editor, and I have spent some time talking about this. This is going to be a very tricky set for us to cover by nature of the fact that this is a premium product. The packs will all be significantly more expensive, and this is not necessarily targeted at families unless you are intending – to like buy a bunch and like draft together or something like that. Um, this is not the thing where you're like, oh, I'll just buy a pack of this just to see what happens because they're like 10 bucks a pop. Um, this is intended for people who play modern, which is a format we'll talk about in writing on the site later, but it's for older cards. Um, and so these are like reprints um, and some other things to help bring down the costs on the secondary market to make it so that people actually attend the tournaments. So they're like, this is. You know, it's cool because I'm seeing stuff that I haven't seen in a new set for many, many years. Um, but it's, you know, it's a thing. The art is super rad. I will say that. But, you know, that's it. So if you're super into it and maybe you didn't realize that the spoiler season was coming yet, maybe you were waiting until the end of the summer for the next official set, go to MTG Salvation. Have yourself a, a good 20 minutes or so uh, looking at 50 some odd cards. Um, and then don't torture yourself like I do. Um, or right. do just know what you're getting into. You know, if you want to be hitting refresh every hour or two, I'm not here to tell you or 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm not here to no. tell you what to do, nor am I here to judge. It's but true. you're we are gonna... judgment free zone. Yeah, this is a judgment free zone, especially when it comes to looking up new magic cards. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. it. I mean, we're we're still trying to figure out how we're going to cover it. Also, go figure. When is the pre-release for this set? July uh, June 7th. Or no, it's, June eighth. June eighth is the pre-release, which is so everything you know, is that week. Yeah, which is um, I'm not going to a pre-release for this because first of all, it'd be super expensive, and second of all, uh, bro, that's E3. So yeah. um, we're still not super sure how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna figure it out. We got a couple weeks, um, and so yeah, so that's our version of Around the Horn this week. It's somewhat ab- abbreviated. Um, we will fix some of that. Uh, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons again next uh, on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. Linda, we have not had a chance to talk to you about Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yet. Um because I talked about our game. Um mm-hmm. and why don't you so what what are you you're back. You haven't played I'm Dungeons back. and Dragons since like 3.5 like 15 years ago. Right. It Maybe was even more. Before we had children. Before children. This is back when we could just give up an entire Saturday and not give any of a care about no. what was happening. Um, so what are your thoughts? Tell me, what do you think about 5th edition, first of all? Well, full disclaimer, I have one of the easiest characters possible. Thank you very much for designing that You're for me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I wanted minimal thinking with the character um, elements, so Steve was awesome and developed a, helped me get a fighter, so basically my job is to stand there, take damage, and hit things. Yep. So um, I love how simple it is. It seems, even though it's a simpler character than I had last time, everything just seems so much more streamlined. Um, even the things I wasn't used to, my previous character when I played, I wasn't getting buffs from other characters typically because that wasn't the role I played. So yep. as the tank of the group, we went into an, a battle and two other characters were putting buffs on, on my character. And even though I wasn't really familiar with what they were doing, everything was simple enough. They could just give me a quick descriptor and yeah. it was easy enough to utilize and then just clarifications as needed. But very, it just felt a lot simpler. Yeah. I mean, uh, I taught you how to play again in what, 10 minutes? If that, Yeah. Um, we, you guys got there, I mean, full disclosure to everybody, I mean, when we play, we have, like, 87 children that, that come around, <laughs> in, that range in age from 13 to 4, right? The twins are 4, or are they No, three? they're 3. Okay, the so they range from three. 13 to 3, and we have twins that are 3. And then um, we also had the other one, little one, so there were three 3-year-olds. Three so three 3-year-olds. Three and three-year-olds. it goes up to... You know, it, there's not much in the middle because, you know, we have Evan and then there's Isaac, who's 10, right? Or 11? Almost 11. He's a 10, so, almost 11. So then, and then Jacob, who's 10. So we have like three kids that are 10 plus. Um, and so that helps balance out the, the insanity a little. Um, 
So you guys came in. We were settling down the children. Um, Evan, the oldest, it's his responsibility. Uh, he has volunteered um, under the understanding that he will eventually be compensated. I bought him magic cards last time. Um, the uh, By those with the youngest of children. Your kids just sit and play Switch the whole time. They were fine. Well, Isaac ended up sitting and just watching for what, like yes, he did. two or three hours? Yeah. He, he was, was enthralled. So my older one, my, my 10, almost 11-year-old, he camped out next to my uh, next to me, and he just sat and was just completely enamored with what we were doing. Yeah, I told him that I would run a game for him this summer. Um, yeah, he's really excited about that. And both Evan and Jake are very excited about it. So we'll figure that out. Um, yes, he's we all were, in. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. Yeah, it's you know what, it's... It's um, it's been fun to finally get back, and you know it's fun to watch the kids kind of roll through and enjoy what they want to enjoy and take out of it what they want to take out of it uh, while we play. Um, and I'm glad that so far they have been uh, pretty cooperative to let us grown ups uh, have our time. But don't worry, there will be plenty of me running games for various combinations of children over the next handful of years. I am sure of it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so let's go right into Board Game Geek. Um, specifically, okay. uh, Board Game Geek, um, because nerds love making lists, um, has a geek list that is full of, you, considering you are one of our list masters, yes, you do <laughs> love making lists. Um, <laughs> there is a geek list on Board Game Geek of games that will be at Origins Game Fair in one form or another. Um, we, uh, went through and first off we put in a filter specifically because there was going to be like over 200 games there, which is a lot. However, uh, we didn't want to talk about 205 games. That's insanity. So what we did, um, is, uh, we put a filter there and we are only going to look at games that you can buy there, which means they are going to be games in big old stacks that people can go and buy. Um, and even then, ready to buy all yeah, the things. Yeah, exactly. So we are going to kind of share some of the ones that we know are going to be there for sale that we're pretty excited about in case you maybe are going there. Uh, so you know some stuff to um, keep your eye out for. And the first one that I want to talk about... What is the first one I want to talk you about? You want to talk about Wacky Races. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Wacky Races. Listen, I've talked about Wacky Races on the show before. Um, that's the Hanna-Barbera one, right? Hanna-Barbera yes. did Wacky Races. Um, yes. So, okay. So Hanna-Barbera had a cartoon back in the day, to, so far back in the day that, like, our children have no idea who these characters are. Yep. For the most part, because these are some obscure dudes. Mm -hmm. um, and Wacky Races was just that. It was a cartoon where every episode was a race. Basically. Um, and it was all these guys racing in their vehicles. Um, and so now we have a board game that is loosely based on that concept. There's a bunch of dudes in their funky cars that are very designed very similarly to the way they were in the show. Um, and man, does it look cool. Um, it really does. The, the, the figs, if you can, you really, can you call them figs? Not really. Um, the minis are car shaped figures um and the idea is you are going to be moving them around the track um you actually build the racetrack by dealing out these cards um that kind of look like shields but the idea is um they they're kind of like vertebra in that like they have a round kind of uh like a semicircle at the top and then the inverse of that shape on the bottom like a shield and so they you kind of put the circle of one card into the divot on the other card and you just put them in a big line and each one represents different terrain, etc. And the idea is you are drawing cards and dealing them out to move um, and among other things. And obviously you're trying to win a race. Um, this is a game that I actually have not played it, but I'm super excited to get a chance to play it. Um, this, what, this has been criticized a little bit by some folks because... Um, it's $45, um, and they think that the price is a little high for a game that has an advertised playtime of about 10 to 15 minutes. So this is a short game, and so a lot of people think that maybe it should be priced cheaper, and they feel like the price has been inflated a little bit by these minis, but like, I don't care 
because the minis are cool. What do you think, Linda? It's a mixed bag for me because I feel like it is a lot for a, a racing game. However, it's not just little, you know, standard Monopoly-esque figures going around the board. These are yep. really high quality. I mean, Simon is known for their figures, and these do not disappoint in that regard. So you're pay- playing, paying paying to play with these higher quality components. So it's the trade-off. You get something really thematic yep. and high quality. And hope the hope would be if it's a 10 to 15 minute game, you would be playing multiple times at a, at a setting. You'd bring it out and you'd play a couple times instead of just one game and put it away. So Yeah, I mean, well, that's absolutely the goal. Um, I'm sure that's their plan. Um, I... I would imagine that that's something that I will be doing because I am definitely going to have this game. Um, I can't wait to play it. it. I love personally. I love fast games, um, and part mm-hmm. of that is because I am terrible at games, <laughs> so um, I lose a lot. So, um, and I know that I'm going to lose fairly quickly normally. So I like to play my game. You know, I like it's the beginning when I feel like I've got a shot. So playing a bunch mm-hmm. of games give me a bunch of beginnings where I think I have a shot. Um, so a quick game sounds great to me. Um, also, this is one of those things where I think it's amusing to me to play a game with my kids where I am uh, showing them characters that they have no idea who they are um, right. and encouraging them to kind of look at some of the the, the classic stuff. So, yeah, it's a nice little bridge races. between the generations. Yeah, absolutely. So so what's your first thing you wanted to look at? So the first one that I saw on here and got completely excited for was Lantern's Dice. I, have, um, I, I really like Lantern's. I have it. I've played it. I've only gotten to take it to the table once or twice, but just I really enjoy the game. And seeing the new Dice version just, just really caught my attention. Um, as it should. Yes. Because <laughs> Lanterns itself is a very pretty game. Mm-hmm. The fact that there is a dice version of it is pretty awesome. Um, so this is going to be... It's going to be there. It's $25. Um, ages 10 and up. Playtime 30 to 45 minutes. Two to four players. Specifically, it's called Lanterns Dice. Lights in the Sky is the official name. I'm 100% with you. I love Lanterns. It's one of the prettiest games I have ever played. Maybe not in the beginning. This is one of those games that, like, you really don't understand how beautiful it is until you're, like, halfway through it, you know? You place one tile and you're like, Mm -hmm. all right, whatever. Some shapes. But then six or seven tiles in and you go, oh. Right. Oh. And then you understand. So this is Dice. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a little bit... Some of the mechanics will be the same. Obviously, you know, some of them are going to be vastly different. Don't care. You're still generally doing the same thing. Laying out tiles. Um, it's just the way you choose them is a little bit different. Um, it does appear like this has... You're laying out the tiles. This does have a bit of like a roll and write component to it. Uh, yeah. Just from some of the play... Uh, some of the, um, the, the play videos. And I'm okay with that. You're still dealing with the tiles, rolling dice, figuring stuff out. This looks fun to me. It does look like a lot of fun. This is on my must-get list. You have wacky races on your must-get. This is on my must-get. Well, your must-get list is already $20 cheaper than mine. Um, <laughs> so um, I think the next one I got to talk about is... Um, where is it? Oh, my goodness. It's right here. Uh, I'm going to talk about Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. Okay? Um, it is a two-on-two... Uh, I, I can't say heads up because it's two on two, but it's a mm-hmm. two on two um, ca- card battling game, thirty to sixty minutes. Um, it's a it's, it's a card drafting, deck building game. Uh, it's ages eleven and up, which is perfect for Harry Potter fans. Mm-hmm. Um, play time of thirty to sixty minutes. That's likely going to be dependent on how many players you're playing. Um, and it's $25. This is from the OP, uh, previously known as USAopoly. This is so good. So exciting. Um, this is a game that I got an opportunity to look at while I was at New York Toy Fair, but they told me I couldn't talk about it. Um, just like just about everything else behind those walls. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. Um, I love the Harry Potter theme. 
Um, Harry Potter. This is a sidebar. I was thinking about this the other day about Harry Potter specifically. Can you believe that we're really the way that the universe is working right now? That was a ten-year-old that decided to make come downstairs, make a bunch of noise, and then leave. Um, and he's laughing like a demon. Um, Kids are fun. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, like we're like really probably what fifteen years away from them rebooting Harry Potter and making another and rebooting the movies. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if. The... I don't know. I don't know. You think they would reboot in like fifteen more year, fifteen years from now? At that now? point, it'll be more than twenty years since the first movie came out. Yeah. Um. I wonder if they'll like do a major thing. I'm trying to think when the books got really hot in the U.S. in what was it like the mid '90s? Is when everything yeah. like went crazy. So. It, it realistically, they, um, they have the opportunity. Because they learned, they have the mm-hmm. opportunity that they could, um, they could make every book two movies if they wanted. That's true. There's enough content in those books they could that, stretch. Because they out. totally had to cut a ton of stuff, oh, so they could a hundred percent. So that's for me. That's what I'm thinking. Like they they learned towards the end that you could make like towards the end is when the universe figured out that you could make one book two movies. Right, and now they know that, so now they can go back. Um, and I would be fine with it, really. I think. Um, I think if they did it right, it's all about. It has to be done just right. I, I I have a hard time seeing the first three books being made into two movies because those books were significantly shorter. Once you hit book four, is when the the page number count increased substantially, and you went from like a three hundred something page book to like five six hundred. They'll figure it out. They do. They, They'll figure it out. There's people that are smarter um, than us that will figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the reason that I was thinking about that is because I was also thinking about eventually they're going to remake the Lord of the Rings movies. Eventually. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is it was a missed opportunity because they did the Hobbit stuff later. Because if they had started with the Hobbit movies okay. and led into the Lord of the Rings movies, which is like kind of how it works... Right, that's the they would have had more of an exactly. They would have had more of an opportunity to um, kind of make it make them all connected and use some of the same actors, which they did, but it wouldn't have been as weird. Um, right, it felt backwards when they did it after, yeah. so they could do it not backwards. Right, they could do it in chrono- chronological order. Correct, um, and it feels like that's less of, and it's an easy way to make a bunch more movies anyway totally not what we're because this is definitely not remake movies cast um, no we're not a movies podcast however we're not I'll talk about, I'm sure I'll bring that up on uh, Geeking with the Moms tomorrow when we bring the show back um, because oh, you guys are coming back we are oh, coming back you. because I have missed them too well Regina's thing is done she was doing a, a big presentation and she's mm. done so now we are coming back um, we could have started last week but were we really going to start before the end of Game of Thrones yeah no no uh, so we took one more week, um, and I even watched it. I'm not going to talk about it here, uh, but I even watched it. Um, wow. I didn't care nearly as much as everybody else did. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that's it. Harry Potter, Hog- back to the topic at hand, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, Defense Against the Dark Arts, um, $25. So my tally, brought, you know, it's not averaging 50 bucks at a clip. It's not bad. So, um, and this is... This is one of those things. If it's on sale now, they'll probably sell out of their first print run. They'll be able to get more of them because it's DOP. They they're pretty good with logistics. This is going to be a great one to put under a Christmas tree. Yeah. I just know it, right? Like this just feels like a great one. This will probably end up on our holiday shopping list, um, just because you know you got to get something for the Harry Potter fans. Um, and this one, along with the deck bat, the uh, the deck builder, mm-hmm. it's hard to get mad at. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else did you want to talk about? So, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum and uh, go for something for the younger set. Okay. When we were at Toy Fair, we got to talk to Haba and look at some of their things. And one of the game, actually, two of the games we saw um, are featured on the list for coming to Origins. And I went to talk about Snail Sprint. 
This okay. is another racing game. So it's funny. We've got wacky races we talked about. So Snail Sprint is a very different kind of racing game. It is so cute. It is um, obviously snail theme. And in this, they've got the box is a metal tin that the game yep. stored in. And that gets completely incorporated into the course of the game. So it becomes three-dimensional, which is just super cute. Because obviously snails would be able to race the outside of a box. Or the inside. Or the inside. Because you can go on the inside of there as well, mm-hmm. which is really cute. Um, price point on this is $29 for retail. So, you know, my tally's coming up just a little bit. Um, though, according to the uh, Board Game Geek page, you can pre-order for a bargain of 25 um, But still, I mean, that's not bad for a nice... And they're nice wooden components and the nice metal tin. Um, and this is a game for five and up. And again, just like the Wacky Races, it's like a 15-minute playtime. So these nice, quick racing games are just light and fun. Yep. So, um, interesting contrast. I'm noticing Snail Sprint has a player count of two to four. Wacky Races has a one to, uh, two to six player count. So it's interesting comparing, you know, two... I mean, they're definitely different style games, but both racing games and seeing some of the variance between... The within the between the games within the same genre, yeah. So, but this one definitely is geared a little bit younger. Um, Hava definitely is known for games for the younger children. Yeah, they play games for the kids. Absolutely, this is for the little ones. Yeah, absolutely, and that's fine. By the way, um, so also Hava has another game that they're gonna have there. We may as well just kind of go right into it. Nice segue. Um, yeah, definitely a good segue. Um, <laughs> where is it? Holy crap. Um, so the other one is Hanga. Hanga, while thank while your you. Computer, while your computer is trying to behave. My computer um, is having a, a very big problem right now. Hanga is so adorable looking. It's a prehistoric themed tile placement game. Um, it's a little more expensive. It's about $50 retail. Um, but it's got, again, it's Haba, so they've got the really nice wooden components, just really quality pieces. This one is ages 8 and up. Playtime for it is about 30 to 45 minutes, yep. and it can, it can um, support 2 to 5 players. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, so this one is, um, I believe it also has a bit of resource management component to it, because you're trying to go around the board and you're gathering things, and part of your... Try, what you're trying to do is Hanga is like the the pet of the tribe and you have to go pet Hanga and if you don't pet Hanga there's consequences oh. built into it so that was some like that was how they were explaining it to to us when we went to Toy Fair and just it, it's really adorable like a kind of like a you know my first resource management not quite but you know up there in the you know nice and simple yeah Games I mean, to go play. you know what? I think my first resource management is not an inappropriate way to describe it. Um, and man, I love the prehistoric theme and how it kind of leans into it, but it's not like you know crazy self serious and right. Um, so yeah, that's another one. the The thing that I know is that it is sold out, with the exception of a handful of games that they're. Uh, head PR person was going to, was able to snatch and uh, bring with her to Gen Con and to origins. Wow. Um, which means if you want that game, if this sounds good to you, get on your running shoes when you're at origins. Cause if you don't get there quick, it's going to sell out fast. So look up That's what booth they're in. Um, let's find out what booth are they in? Well, you're looking at that. So just to give a little bit more description of the character for Hanga, it's a the local saber-toothed tiger and is really – basically it's like the, the tribe's cat <laughs> because yeah. it's prehistoric. It's a saber-toothed tiger. So, I mean, the theme of it is just super cute. They've got really dynamic little characters. Again, it's a kid's game. It's definitely, you know, intended for, you know, middle age, you know, the – mid-age children so not the littlest ones but you know that eight and up great group and it you know it's just it leans right into the theme and and just is light with it so yeah you know what so i don't have let me let me see if i can find it we're going to give you tactical information here everybody um because i want to make sure people are prepared All right, so we're going to go to the exhibit hall. I want to see if I can figure this out. Here we go. Oh, it's alphabetical. <laughs> I got this. Um, 
they don't have a booth. So how are they sell in their game? Okay. Um, tweet at them at Habo <laughs> and ask where are they selling their game? They're probably going to be at, like Cool Stuff Inc. or something like that. Yeah, I'm um, sure they'll be around. So, um, weird thing. Somebody was complaining about um, uh, Konami being there, um, and I was like. Y'all never heard of Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, it was just so... I'm just looking at the sponsoring exhibitors, and I'm just like, oh, you know what? Never mind. Those are the sponsoring exhibitors. This might not be all of them. Haba uh-huh. does have a booth. They're booth number 230. So, 230. Get your running shoes on, or you are not getting Hanga. Because <laughs> um, they are all sold out. Um, man, it, it looks so cute. That, that dumb, big dumb cat. Yes. You know, such a such a great big dumb cat. Um, so yeah, let's see what else do we? They also have another a, a another uh, unicorn glitter luck game, uh, which when my daughter saw it, she lost her damn mind. So is this a new version? A, a, it's a... it is a different. Um, it's. It's a new uh, game within the Unicorn Glitter Luck game. kind of it's series. It's within the Unicorn Glitter Luck cinematic universe. Gotcha. Um, you are stacking. Basically, it's kind of like Unicorn Glitter Luck meets Animal Upon Animal. Because oh. you are stacking things clouds. like clouds, a pink castle, uh-huh. unicorns, etc. Um, sure. Whatever. I showed it to my daughter. She squeaked. squeaked. Oh, I bet. Um, because that's her jam. Oh, that um, is. Oh, yeah, no. The, that's her aesthetic. Looks, oh, that's so her aesthetic. I mean, my boys would look at this and roll their eyes because that's how my boys are. But, yeah, you know. That's their thing. Um, the um, Speaking of things that would make our boys roll their eyes, even though oh, they don't boy. really understand, um, there's going to be uh, – and Japan Anime Games is bringing the Sailor Moon Dice Challenge. Okay. Um, which is actually really good. And um, it's a dice battling game. Was Rob talking about that one? Yeah, we have a the copy of it. Okay, I thought it, that sounded familiar. Yeah, he was saying it was better than it had any right to be, I believe. It is better than it has any right to be. Um, the, and what's interesting about it is that it comes with a lanyard, so you can wear the... Because the, what you're supposed to do is walk around conventions with your dice in your pocket with the card of the character that you in are, like, repping in your lanyard and if you if you and I are are playing but we're different characters we're supposed to be able to just battle it out wherever we are so it's not quite oh, larping but it's meant to have like a live play feature to it um so that's uh, that's sailor moon crystal the dice challenge if you like sailor moon <laughs> admittedly if. that is a subset right like this is a, i appreciate sailor moon for what it is Right, like it's, it's not the best thing on the planet, but I appreciate what it is. Um, and um, there are there's the original dice challenge, but there's also like multiple there's expansions with multiple seasons that have like different sailor scouts and different powers, whatever. It's cool if you like those games. They're very inexpensive. Um, if you don't like those games, just avoid them because they are not for you. <laughs> um. Have you played Bugs on Rugs yet, Linda? I have not played Bugs on Rugs yet. All right, so we got to Tell fix me about that. Bugs on Rugs. <laughs> so Bugs on Rugs is more or less a drafting game for five-year-olds. Oh. About bugs. About bugs. That That's sounds it, literally. I just, I just described the whole game. Um, it's $12. <laughs> oh, okay, that's um, on my list. <laughs> so this is, like, super cheap, super fun. It's from... It's from Kid Table Board Games. I mean, oh, these are okay. the food. These are the food fighters. These are you know they've they've done mm-hmm. great stuff. Um, Bugs on Rugs is a card game. It's a drafting game. The idea is, um, the you spread all the bugs out on a rug, mm-hmm. which is like a center play area, and you are drafting off of the rug, um, and you're trying to collect sets, right? So. You have spiders that are only worth points at the end of the game if you feed them, which you mm-hmm. need flies to feed them. So you have to, like, draft one fly for every spider you get, which can be difficult, etc. You know, the whole nine. 
You're playing. It's it's kind of it's got a sushi go kind of feel to it, but the yeah. bugs are super cute. It's got the standard kids table board games uh, aesthetic in that everything is light and fun. Um, also, did I mention that it's twelve dollars? That's fantastic. Like and I you know. like I just was looking at the cards. The it's all iconography and numbers, so yep. it looks oh, like very there's easy. no reading at all. Uh, yeah, it's meant for ages six and up. Very no reading, if at all. Um, we have played it. Um, you know, this is not a game that plays super well in mixed company, mm-hmm. as you would probably expect, right? Right. Um, you know, drafting games, you're re- it's really hard when you're on different skill levels. Mm-hmm. The good news is, um, this is very easy for kids to play together. Um, especially since, and this is a, a quiet advantage for this game, um, you're not like passing around a handful of cards or dealing with drawing cards off the top of a deck constantly. Um, you're tipping them over and putting them on, you know, like in a kind of spreading them out on the table. So it is less likely for a kid to like Godzilla everything or like drop all the cards and let everybody see them. And you really don't have to worry about bluffing, which is, I think is important, right? Like in, um, sushi go, like I have my hand of cards and I don't want to tell you what I have. Um, here, not so much, right? Like you, everybody knows what everybody has because we're all drafting off of the same collective pile of bugs on the same rug. Um, and I think those are subtle differences that actually are what make this game easier for a younger set. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely those pieces that the motor skills and everything are less pertinent. Absolutely plays into it because like you said managing the cards and having to keep them hidden or accidentally dropping them that's really common for the little kids because they just don't have the dexterity and the motor skills to manage a hand of cards easily yeah so yeah anything that can eliminate that need to be able to have those dexterity pieces in place already it just makes it less frustrating for everybody yeah Absolutely. Huge fan. Um, So we have it. We have a review. We will. Well, we're going to give it to you so that you can review it. (laughs) So I'll be writing a review this summer. You'll be writing a review for this summer. Yes. (laughs) Once uh, once the report cards are done, you'll be helping um, get us all caught up on board game reviews because it's true. You know, that's your that's your skill set. I'm not going to complain. E3 is going to make me get ahead on my paperwork because I want to be able to be enjoying the nerd time and not be sitting while you guys are nerding out and playing games and sitting there, you know, doing paperwork. Yeah. We're, That's we're encouraging you because there's going to be a bunch of nerds there. Um, it's did true. you know that J- James is bringing a Oculus quest? Oh, which is a wire, which is a wireless, um, VR headset. I have never tried VR. So that may be a thing. Oh, it's absolutely going to be a thing. We're going to have as many people do it as we can. Sp- Spoiler alert, though, we are absolutely videoing you play Beat Saber without any context. <laughs> so be ready for that. The super cut of us playing Beat Saber without people knowing that we're playing Beat Saber, 100% happening. Oh, um, just warning you. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, let's do one more each um, okay. because I think we're kind of moving in the direction of out of time. Um, what's next on your list? So one game that is actually sitting on my shelf waiting and taunting me and gets for me to sit down and finally play is Fire in the Library. Sure. Um, that was a game that um, we had the pleasure of talking to Carla from Weird Giraffe Games and hearing about the game. And it just caught my attention and just tugged on me just right. And I had to back it on Kickstarter, got it in and just there hasn't been time because life's been crazy but that's on my must play like sooner than later list for sure you know it's Um, funny that you mention weird giraffe games um but carla is actually going to be on our podcast sometime in the next couple of weeks to talk about biggie big easy busking her new uh kickstarter oh i'll have to make sure to uh you have to let me know when it is so i can make sure to join that conversation i mean yeah. If, yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to be on a board game show, and oh, those are the yeah. ones that you're on. But yes, I will make True. sure to tell you when <laughs> to come to work. Um, yes, I will. I, I will. I gave you. I gave you uh, plenty of of break time, 
So you could be a responsible adult. Now it's time to be a dumb kid like the rest of us. Thank <laughs> and you we'll be having a uh, Kickstarter preview, our Kickstarter of the week feature of the the newest game. Um, hopefully, maybe by the time this goes live ish. Ideally, so. this week, if not this week, next week. Yes. It's soon, really going to depend on when we can collaborate. It's fine. We'll get it done. We're recording this on Tuesday, so life is good for us. Yes. Um, I want to talk about my first Castle Panic, man. Let's talk about my first Castle Panic. That is yes. my last game. Um, Castle Panic, we talked about that game before, right? You know, it's a cooperative yes. game. It's a little complex, though, and um, sometimes it's hard for kids to feel like they're actually participating as opposed to just being told what to do. My first Castle Panic takes that Castle Panic concept, brings it down to a point where it is playable ages four and up. So this is the Candyland of Castle Panic. It is adorable. It is all bright colors. Even the monsters are cute. Like, I really feel bad, like, you know, getting mad at them. Um, Instead of numbers, there are shapes and colors. Um, All the cards and tiles are thick and heavy pieces um, instead of a big circular board where things are coming in from multiple directions this is a it's played like a tower defense game meaning there is just a a, a line of stone tiles and the goblins and the orcs or whatever just walk down the steps or walk down the, the steps to your garden more or less and once they get to your front door they can break it down, and if they get to your castle, then you lose. Um, and that's it. You know, you're playing with, uh, you're playing, you're collecting cards and playing cards with pictures of cool little cute characters on them, but it's really just colors and shapes, as opposed to numbers and complex strategies. Um, it's meant to be played by four-year-olds, folks, um, and I think it is very cool. Um, our friends, the Family Gamers. Um, already reviewed this uh, earlier on this year when it came out. I think it came out early February. And they said that they loved it. Um, So we can't wait to get our hands on it and uh, get some kids to play it. Um, And it's one thing that I do like about it is it has a solo mode for those four-year-olds that really want to rock it themselves. Um, So, yeah, that's my first Castle Panic from Fireside Games. They're going to be a booth 408. Um, this one's been about around for a little bit, so I wouldn't panic about getting it. But it's also only $20. Wow. So I started really on the pricey side because that's how I roll. But then I brought it back under control because I'm responsible. <laughs> wow, this is super cute. And Isn't I love cute? that there's a, with the heroes in this game, it has both male and females depicted and... Um, there's a range of looks to the character so that, you know, different families can find characters that look more like them, which is kind of nice. It's not all uniform. There's a nice diversity. Absolutely love it. So that's Origins Games Fair. We did it, Linda. We did. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that's being announced there that's going to be demoing there. Uh, Things that are going to be demoing but um, are coming to Kickstarter later, like Dwellings of Eldervale, which is from our friends over at Breaking Games. That one is a little bit beyond our weight. It is a heavy game. Uh, By heavy game, I mean a playthrough takes approximately three hours. However... It's really cool, and it's got these awesome minifigs that aren't really minifigs. They're like baseball-sized figs. Um, and uh, it's all about you are a civilization, and you're trying to like summon like this crazy elder god thing, but you can't do it too early, because if you do it too early, then the elder god will get mad and kill you. It's weird, um, but it's it's been watching a lot of videos about it. I can't wait to see that. And there is so much more. This is going to be absolutely insane. Um, also, uh, friends of the show, we're going to have them on the podcast. I, I'm presuming uh, I'm going to ask them. Uh, the stay-at-home family gamers are actually bringing their whole crew over to Origins Game Fair. I'm hoping to uh, get at least one of them on the show um, to have them share their experience with us. I haven't asked them yet, but I can't imagine they would say no. They're nice. I might have a connection also. Anitra from the Family Gamers, she's going by herself. Whoa, Anitra is going to Origins by herself? She is going by herself. So she's actually going to connect with the stay-at-home gamers, the stay-at-home Family Gamers. They're going to actually connect and, like, 
bring her around and um so oh, she's really awesome. excited so yeah no so, so she's not really connection. going by herself well she she is going without her other half and without her children so that is a big deal wow yeah I, i'm a bit jealous i mean yeah maybe next year you can go with her nope because it's the end of the school year i'm not missing eh. last week of school eh. <laughs> just saying what's the last week of school who cares I'm just <laughs> me kidding. um okay so everybody Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Engage, a family gaming podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as Linda and I enjoyed. I don't know why I can't say enjoyed. As much as Linda and I enjoyed recording it. Um, I have one favor to ask this week, folks. It's very simple. Um, I want you to like our Facebook page. If you haven't liked our Facebook page yet, please go do so. Uh, we are trying to hit three or hit 2,000 as quickly as we can. Um Put simply, the size of our following on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, etc., is how different companies judge us. So you know we put out great content because you're listening to us. My my request is help me prove it to all these other companies and give us a like on the Facebook page, and then we'll go from there. Um, so uh, next week is a is a fan favorite episode. It's our E3 predictions episode. Ooh. Linda loves those. Um, she doesn't understand some of the stuff we're saying, nope. but she loves <laughs> listening to us talk trash <laughs> after the fact. So here's what's fun. Uh, it's going to be me. It's going to be Tila. It's going to be Amanda. It's going to be the man behind the curtain. All four of us are going to share a handful of our E3 predictions, and we're going to put them on the board and keep track of them throughout E3 announcement weekend. Um, and we're going to declare a winner um, live uh, across social media. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Linda's going to be there to help keep us honest and probably help us make the board. Because I was going to say, I'm making better. the board, aren't I? Yeah, probably. Well, you and <laughs> you and Jenna, you guys are the creative ones. So, yeah, that's exciting for me. Um, I'm, I'm trying to come – because I keep losing to John. Because I've lost to the man behind the curtain the last two years running. He whoops my butt. Part of it is because I get stupid with my predictions. And I predict things that I kind of know are not possible, but I do it anyway. This year, not doing it. I'm calling him out. I'm not, he, he, he makes good predictions. I make wacky predictions. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm protecting myself because I don't want to lose three years in a row. I can't lose three years in a row, Linda. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> and I'll have the board to keep you You'll honest. You'll have the board to keep me honest. So, everybody, until next week. You have yourself a great day, and don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next.